We are back, and actually, Peter B. Collins informs me that it's Richard Mellon Scaife, not Scaifey, in our previous report. And in other news from the Keystone State of Pennsylvania, we have an email sent to us by Jerry Polikoff regarding the trial of a uh, past Radio Parallax guest, Dr. Cyril Wecht. Dr. Wecht uh, is currently uh, uh, on trial for 41 counts of, uh, of fraud that involves such things as uh, a fax that cost the county he was working in $4. It seems clear that this case is related to the U.S. attorney scandal. The prosecutor out in Pennsylvania, Mary Beth Buchanan, is very close to the Bush White House and seems to have this nasty habit of only prosecuting Democrats. Dr. Wecht, in fact, is a Democrat and has run for Senate in the state of Pennsylvania in the past. Unfortunately, got wiped out by, uh, by Heinz of uh, family money. But as it turns out, uh, the, the case has deadlocked. They didn't pull the jury. They went right ahead with scheduling a second trial. This is a politically motivated prosecution, and we'll have more to say about it in the future. And speaking of politically uh, motivated prosecutions, uh, the, the federal effort to put away uh, uh, some pot growers up in, in the foothills, Dale Schaefer, an attorney, and his uh, physician wife, uh, Marion Molly Fry, is something we also mean to get to uh, in the weeks to come. But uh, speaking of unfair and idiotic federal prosecutions, I'd refer you to the uh, Friday, April 4th uh, uh, Sacramento Bee article about how the California State Highway Patrol plans to use drones, those aircraft that are remotely controlled, which, you know, you hear about being used in the Middle East to blow up terrorists. Well, here in California, we're going to use drones to fly around the state looking for marijuana farms. Article by Chris Bowman. For the B notes that the federal government plans to escalate its eradication of marijuana plantations in the backwoods of national forests this year, beginning in California with the deployment of larger strike teams and the controversial launching of miniature remote-controlled spy planes to outfox growers, a top Bush administration official said Thursday. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently, the California Highway Patrol has our highways so completely devoid of any uh, drunk drivers, uh, any wrongdoers, and have made them so safe, they're now going to branch out and start looking for pot farms out in national forests. We need to speak to some people who are involved with remote, uh, remote aircraft, because apparently now they've stepped in and decided that these are actually spy devices, and they're coming under some new legal challenges, and people that enjoy flying a model aircraft around are now getting hassled right and left. Again, we will return to these topics in the near future. Let's talk about some more stupid programs. How about the fact that the U.S. Mint continues to put out pennies at the cost of 1.7 cents? That's manufacturing costs per penny. So that's right. We're making money and losing money with every coin that we make. Clearly, the penny has to go. It, is, it now is no longer worth much of anything. We need to round off to the nearest nickel because when you multiply... The cost to retailers all across this nation in having to give you your exact change in pennies, it's mind-boggling. All right, another dumb idea, uh, abstinence-only programs. According to Planned Parenthood President Cecile Richards, the national policy of promoting abstinence-only programs is a $1.5 billion failure, and teenage girls are paying the real price. 
Planned Parenthood is calling for a comprehensive sex education program in the wake of findings in a federal study that one in four teenage girls has had at least one sexually transmitted infection. He used to have a great cartoon that said, if they taught driver's ed the way they teach uh, sex education in America, it would be, driving is dangerous. Whatever you do, you mustn't drive. And yeah, that'd be about as intelligent. If we want to talk about government programs uh, and stupidity in the same sentence, uh, this is the granddaddy of them, I think, uh, of late. Article in USA Today, March 31st of this year, noting that a Nixon-era program on teen drug use is still going strong. That's right, folks. A program that dates back to when the Vietnam War was raging is still raging. Article by David N. Goodman notes the following. President Nixon may not have dented the nation's drug epidemic when he named Elvis Presley a federal agent at large in the Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs in 1970, but a $120 million research program born in the Nixon administration continues to shape America's drug policies. This started when a then 33-year-old psychology grad student planned to poll thousands of teens nationwide about their drug habits and beliefs. Lloyd Johnson, now 67, still runs that study from the University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research. And he just got a $33 million grant from the NIH to run this to the year 2012. So out of all this has come our partnership for a drug-free America with all those TV ads showing a frying egg and a narrator who says, this is your brain on drugs. Any questions? The problem is that no one has shown that all of this effort has really done much good in denting America's drug use habit. I got to say that, uh, that Lloyd Johnson, though, it turns out, who does have a master's degree in business from Harvard University, has certainly done very well for himself in terms of generating some business to study drug abuse. On the other hand, this isn't a completely bleak story. It turns out that Johnson's work evidently has made a dent into teen smoking, which after all probably is America's foremost teen drug abuse problem. Johnson's research did point out that spike in smoking by young teens after the Joe Camel era ads of the early 1990s, and their efforts helped drive uh, the 1998 $206 billion tobacco industry settlement. Uh, that agreement with the states prohibited the targeting of youth in cigarette ads. Anyway, you're worried about the Iraq war running long. Here's a war on drugs we started in 1970, 38 years later, very spotty success record, yet still going strong. Yeah, when conservatives like Ronald Reagan argue that once a program gets started, it's impossible to kill, you know, they have a point. I'd like to talk about how social networking websites are now the current target of the U.S. National Security Agency, but we don't have time to get into that today. So let's see if we can't end this program on a cheerier note. Joining us now on the program is someone who's been hosting a distinguished radio show for some years now. That would be State of Affairs in Louisville, Kentucky. Julie Credence has been a researcher in the radio. She has hosted uh, Morning Edition. And currently, as, I don't know, I'll find out from her, it's been like a many-year run at State of Affairs. Julie, welcome to Radio Parallax. It is a pleasure to be making my debut on your esteemed program. And we've been we've trying to get you for some time, I might add. <laughs> well, you know, the, the, it's a high price, and it's taken you a while to save up, I guess. But I'm happy to be a stringer reporter for you on this uh, most noteworthy occasion, upon the opening of the largest White Castle in the White Castle system, right here in downtown Louisville. 
by all means, let us apply your research and reportorial <laughs> skills into this matter of the world's largest white castle. Well, I tell you what, it, it is the largest restaurant. They have an 11-state system, the largest one. It's only about 20% bigger, and my, my thoughts upon driving up to it were, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is a bigger white castle? It really doesn't look bigger. No offense to White Castle, but it, I guess the seating area is what is bigger. But behind the, the counter, that looks pretty customary. But the first thing that must be noted, a disconcerting thing about this new White Castle is that it's not white. Oh. It, it's beige. I'm going to propose they call it Off-White Castle from now on <laughs> because it really, it really, the porcelain palace is gone. It's this, it has this sort of strip mall aesthetic. It's this beige stone and brick thing. Doesn't seem right to Doesn't me. Doesn't seem right. No. Now, the burgers taste the same which, depending upon your point of view, is a good thing or bad thing. But the, it just doesn't, uh, it doesn't look like the White Castles of old. We have to educate people, I think, a bit, because uh, there are no White Castles here in, in Northern California. So I'm going to go to my reference here, Bigger Secrets by William Poundstone, to give a little bit of background. And um, he said the following. The chain was founded circa 1921, a good three decades before McDonald's. The very concept of ground meat was suspect back then, and the company had to combat stories of unwholesome additives from its inception. Each White Castle restaurant is a tacky castle simulacrum that looks like it belongs on a miniature golf course. They are said to be popular with winos. <laughs> now, I can't verify the wino part, <laughs> but true, the unsavoriness of hamburgers, this is very true because... You may remember, not personally, but through historical document, that back in the early 1900s, you had the social reformer, activist, all-around busybody, Upton Sinclair, yeah. publishing something called The Jungle, which exposed the somewhat unsavory practices of the Chicago meatpacking industry. And so, yeah, the, the White Castles were founded in the concept of cleanliness. We wanted to bring people back to the burger, is <laughs> <laughs> what they were saying. Well, you know, and there's, there's speculation in this book by William Pounce and, of course, others, that there's, a, there's an interesting taste to those little burgers. And uh, there's speculation they may have uh, beef liver in them, but apparently not. Well, something has to account for the um, viscosity uh, <laughs> that gives them their uh, nickname, sliders. Yeah, they, they're, not, they're not chewy. They're, they're not chewy at all, like a pate. No. Well, you know what's interesting about White Castles? And, and, yeah, obviously, if you live in California, if you live in most of the western states, the only place you're going to find a White Castle is maybe in the frozen food section of your, <laughs> your yeah. grocery stores. But I never look upon White Castles as a hamburger, per se. Now, no offense to the company, but they are something unto themselves. They are White Castles. It's to be eaten as a whole, not to distinguish the meat from the onions, from the <laughs> bun. It's just the whole experience. People often just shove the whole burger in their mouth, I think. <laughs> Well, and they've been known to do that. When I was there uh, documenting uh, the new White Castle, there was a gentleman there who I think was on his eighth or ninth, uh, handily uh, putting them over, hand over fist. And, you know, the site, Doug, too, first in market, uh, is hallowed ground. There's been a White Castle at that site since 1928. Wow. We should also know that the size of these things, uh, Poundstone took a three-by-three three block of nine postage stamps and was able to cover the patty. Right. Well, uh, yeah, but 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 nevertheless, they are not large. Uh, you guys know something about uh, about fast food there in Louisville with uh, what the Yum Company? Right, the Yum brands are here. Yum is parent company to Taco Bell, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, Long John Silver's, and A and W. They are, I think, they're the largest restaurant company in the world by 
numbers of restaurants around the world. But, Doug, really, when you consider that Kentucky, um, your listeners may not know this, leads the nation or generally leads the nation in rates of obesity, inactivity, <laughs> uh, poor health, heart disease, we really, you know, as long as the fast food industry continues to invest in us, I, I feel pretty confident we're going to maintain those rankings. So as, as goes Kentucky, so goes the nation. <laughs> yes, with one collective belch or something. I, I, I don't know, but yes, that is true. So we're very proud. Well, you know, I, you've got a right to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have that little thing called the Derby coming up in a month, but, but really to have the largest White Castle in the world. <laughs> hey, would you come back and give us a Derby report? In fact, we're here. I want to know. You're hereby designated the Ohio Valley correspondent of Radio Parallax. <gasps> No kidding. Yeah. Does that come with a stipend? It's a big beat. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll work something out, yeah. I'm honored. I yeah. would love to come back on the show. Yeah, let's talk about that horse race you guys have every year. It gets a lot of attention. Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, some people notice it. It's kind of a blip on the sports radar, but um, yeah, I'd love to talk about it. Well, Julie, I, I, I want to recommend to our listeners people check out your program, which, of course, they can do through the technology of the web. We have done so on, uh, on more than one occasion in order to decide how to uh, best approach a guest. Where can people go? Well, the young people tell me the address is the World Wide Web. That's www.wfpl, like freepubliclibrary.org. We're one of the three public radio stations here in Louisville, Kentucky. And you've got quite good archives there. Well, yes, we, we have some of the things online. We don't have our full archives from, gosh, the six years I've been hosting, but there are a number of things. We just redesigned the website, new media, blah, 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 podcasting, etc. I don't quite understand all of it yet, but it's there. <laughs> So, enjoy it. Well, I would suggest our listeners do themselves a favor and do exactly that. Julie, always a pleasure. Glad to get you on after all this time. we got to make sure you do not remain a stranger and come back. I will indeed. Thank you. All righty. Gee, but it's great to be back home. Home is where I want to be. That about does it for today's show. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Our associate producer was Letty Chavez. Our thanks to Peter B. Collins, Brad Friedman, Richard Estes, Franz Cassing, and Julie Credence. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We'll see you next week at the same time. Tell me what you come here for, boy, you better get your bags and flee. You're in trouble, boy, and now you're heading.